Hey, Career Girl Nation, this is episode 48 of the Deeper Than Work podcast, and today we have a very special guest joining us, Ms. Kathleen Hart from KathleenHart.com and BeBraveGetPaid.com. Kathleen Hart is a financial empowerment coach on a mission to help you earn more so you can live your most bold and brave life. Listen in as we talk about the importance of having an abundance mindset, your beliefs around money and how it affects how much you earn, giving yourself permission to prosper, overcoming your fear around rejection and and not stepping into your worth. We talk about so many things. If you want to be earning more money in 2019, if you want to tell yourself a new story when it comes to how much you should be earning, then this is a can't miss. Let's dive into it. Welcome to Deeper Than Work, a podcast for high-achieving and ambitious women ready to make more money, have more impact, and thrive at work and life. And now, here's your host, Dorianne St. Fleur, HR expert, career coach, and breaker of glass ceilings. Do you know you need to make a decision in your career, but you have no idea what that decision should be. You don't know which road to choose. You don't know which direction to go in. You need a breakthrough. Go to yourcareergirl.com slash breakthrough and schedule your career breakthrough session right now. If you're tired of being overwhelmed and lost and confused and unsure of how to move forward, should you go and get a new job? Should you change industries? Should you change companies? Should you go after that promotion? If you're utterly confused and you are not clear on what your next move should be, let's talk about it. I want to help you get the clarity you need to make your next move your best move. Go to yourcareergirl.com slash breakthrough. All right, Kathleen Hart, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. We've been speaking for a few weeks, really gearing up to talk about this today. Why don't you introduce yourself before we jump into today's topic? Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you and your business, and then we can get right into it. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, We connected on Instagram. I don't know if you remember, and we were like going back and forth and just liking each other's things. Um, And I think from there, I was like, hey, we should, we should like get in touch uh, because I like, I love what you're doing. It seems like we're doing similar stuff. I just want to like see how we can support each other. So yeah, I'm super excited that, that you were down um, to, to talk because not everyone wants to talk with people doing similar stuff. You know, that's, that's hard sometimes. People don't want to, to, to lean on each other and support, but I'm glad you were down. And so super excited to be here. Yeah, um, and, and yeah. before you even continue, isn't that yeah. like, isn't that sad? Like, I feel like it is. I didn't even hesitate when you reached out. Like, no hesitation. Someone who's you know killing the game, doing her thing. Why wouldn't I want to connect? Like, I'm mm-hmm. all about masterminding and connecting. So I'm glad we both are on that similar wave- wavelength because if yeah. you think about how many women are not connecting because they're afraid of quote unquote competition and all of that stuff. So I'm so glad that we don't have those problems. Yeah, totally. And I think it goes into what we talk about, which is like abundance and abundance mindset so like there's more than enough to go around and like there's yeah you know a million different tv shows you love um you can love just as many people online as well so yeah yeah my story i mean what i do is i'm a salary negotiation coach like you i really want to help women who are feeling super stuck in their career you know they're ambitious they know that they're hard workers they know that they're killing it um but it's not necessarily being reflected in their paycheck and they want to like own 
their worth a lot more confidently and be able to, to get that pay. So I got into it kind of through happenstance. Like I, I hadn't learned how to negotiate my salary. And as a result, I left so much money on the table. And when I realized it was a thing, I was like, what the heck? Like, why? <laughs> uh, excuse me. <laughs> why didn't anyone tell me about this? Like, uh, so, so that, that whole shift that happened to me kind of infuriated me of like, you know, how much money had I left on the table and how many other women do I know are leaving money on the table? And it turns out everyone I knew, you know, didn't, didn't know it was a thing or if they did know it was a thing, they didn't know how to go about that conversation. So I began just teaching it on the side for fun, you know, going to speak at colleges and women organizations just so that I can help as many people learn these skills. And over time it's evolved where, you know, I started getting those emails, like I got $10,000 more. I doubled the offer, like crazy results. And, um, and it started just occurring to me that maybe this is something that I was meant to do in a bigger capacity and really and help on, on a grander scale. So over the past year, I've really been shifting my, my attention from before it was more just general life, career, starting business, going for your dreams. I had a podcast uh, called The Big Leap Show Like You, and um, those were amazing, but I didn't feel like I was making as big of an impact as I was meant to. So that's why I shifted, and, and it's been awesome. I just love doing what I'm doing, helping women get more money. It's, there's nothing better I could be doing with my time. That is awesome. So many, so many things come to mind in hearing you tell a little bit about your story. I think the first thing that pops out to me is that you said that, you know, kind of like on a limb, you just decided to teach what you knew on mm -hmm. the side. Like, I'm sure there was a lot of fear around that. I, if I think about the many women that I speak to, and I'm sure with your clients as well, they have big dreams and they want to do big things, but they're afraid. How did you face that fear? How did you say, you know what, I'm going to step out and do this. I don't really know how this will end up. But I'm <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's so funny because in my notebook for the longest time I've had, it would be cool if I knew how to teach salary negotiation. Like ever since I learned it was a thing, it was something that like piqued my interest. Like that would be kind of cool um, if I could do it. But I had that thought of like, well, who, why me? Like I, I started learning this out of books. So why would anyone trust me? I'm not doing like million dollar deals and negotiations. I didn't go to Harvard um, to take one of their negotiation classes. So, you know, why would anybody listen? But it was always something in the back of my mind. And so what I did is I initially started teaching on things I was much more comfortable with. And so that was with savings. So my original way of getting into like say colleges and women organizations is um, I, I myself got in control of my finances. That was another part of my story where, you know, I had this big dream to travel the world and I did the calculations. This is how I actually got into salary negotiation. I did the calculations and based on my current income, it was going to take me over eight years to be able to afford a three-month traveling gig. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, you got to be kidding me. I'm not <laughs> waiting eight years to be able to go travel for three months because I was literally living pretty much paycheck to paycheck. Um, so that was when I started saying, well, how can I earn more money? And so what I thought is I have to get a side job. So I got two side jobs, was working 60 hour plus a week, um, quickly burnt out and was like, there's gotta be another way. So I started reading books and you know, the things that came up were start a business or the other thing was negotiate your salary. So that's when I started learning about it. So I thought, well, I don't know. I don't know how to, you know, teach about salary negotiation, but I do know how to save money and get in control of your money because it was from that time I started, um, you know, putting up automatic savings, doing that whole gamut. And I was able to save up $16,000 to quit my job and start traveling. Awesome. Um, 
yeah. And that was, that was like five years ago now. So I knew I could do that. And that's simple. It's just like, well, you don't have to be an expert. I know how to save. I have the proof of I've been able to save this much. So I reached out to places and started volunteering. Like I would love to help um, your audience, like say at the YWCA, oh, you have a financial event coming up. I'd love to volunteer because I'm just so passionate about teaching people about their finances so that they can go for their dreams. Um, so I think breaking it down in that way, like, you know, had I said, okay, I'm going to start teaching about salary negotiation. It is like, who are you? But if, if you can start with something a little bit smaller, like for me, money was something smaller and yeah, doing it in a super low and pressure, pressure environment. So like don't, uh, volunteering at your local, you know, even the local high school you went to, um, or the local community center, cause they have an event coming up that you want to get involved in. Uh, so I didn't seek out to be like a salary negotiation expert from day one. It was like, it was just something I know that I could teach that I know I'm passionate about. Um, and let's see where it goes from there. Awesome. That is yeah. so interesting. I know in like, in doing research on you and preparing for our conversation, I know that you, you talk, as you said, you speak to colleges, you speak to women's organizations, you speak at companies um, about a lot of topics. And one of the topics that you speak about, it's under the umbrella, screw it, just do it. Which yeah. I was so amazingly like just packaged and perfect and I totally get what you're talking about there why don't you talk us through that whole process like if somebody wants to screw it just do it whether that means just go and ask for a, prom- um, an, a, a raise or just yeah. go it after that promotion or just go land that dream job what should they do to really follow their dreams and and, and accomplish what it is they set out to achieve yeah. Oh my God. So I love that topic too, because I think it's one of the, it's, it's like an anthem that I come back to anytime I get scared. Um, because anytime you get scared, you know, you're on the edge of your comfort zone and you know, you're about to step into something bigger. So, um, that mindset is something that I adopted when it was just like you, I've been waiting too long to so say, you know, I want to start a blog long, like when I started my very first blog, that took me months, like years of thinking about it and then months to actually start putting it out there and then to actually share it with people. It was like, oh God, it's got to look perfect and the pictures don't make sense. And like, you know, is anything here interesting and are people going to read it? Are people going to subscribe to it? It was like so loaded and there's an aspect to it where like, you know, of course you got to prepare, you got to practice. You got to like do small things um, to get you ready for that moment. But there's a point when you know that you're perfecting things and procrastinating out of fear of rejection. Mm. And that's the point where you just have to pull the trigger and you have to be like, screw it, just do it. Like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'm going to put my blog out there. No one's going to read it. So what? That's the same as if I never put it out there. So I might as well just do it. So when I feel like that fear is coming up, especially when you're in that mode of like, well, maybe I'll just, you know, like uh, write, rewrite this blog post, or maybe I'll like change my image or different color or, um, you know, for asking your boss, maybe I'll just wait another month and I'll, and I'll prove it that, you know, I'm worthy of this. At a certain point, you'll know when you're hiding. And it's in that moment that I want to encourage people to just say, screw it, just do it. Um, it, you're not going to die. It's, it, the, it's better to take action than to keep waiting uh, for some perfect holy moment to arrive. And you know what's so interesting about that? In those moments where we feel like, okay, yes, we're going to get rejected. It's going to be a horrible experience. Like nine times out of 10, when we say screw it and we just go ahead and do it, it's not even that bad. No. <laughs> like we either get what exactly what we want or maybe some variation of it. Or if we don't, the outcome just isn't as negative as we thought it was going to be. We create worst case scenarios in our head. That's just keeping us from where we need to be going. Oh my God. Our heads are crazy machines. They are like, they are creating all sorts of nightmares that will never, ever 
ever happen. And I think, you know, it helps when you do have like, say like a podcast like this, where you can just hear stories of people where they said, I thought I was going to die. I thought it was going to be the worst thing ever. I thought everyone would hate me. Um, and, and it's fine. Like everyone's like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And in the end, I've often found that when you do those moments where you say, screw it, just do it. And you step into something bigger, you know, what may feel like a failure to you. So say like, um, you know, when I did my first blog and it's like, no one's reading it. And like my, like my Google Analytics say that like five people have come in the full month or whatever. Um, you feel like an idiot and you feel like a failure to the outside. People see it in a whole other light. They're like, wow, that's so amazing. You started a blog. Like, um, how's it going? It looks so amazing. You know? So like the perception that you have about how it went is often too, like so skewed from what the reality is especially to those that are seeing you in, in your truest form, in your truest light. Yeah. Besides the fear of rejection that you just talked about, like when you're working with women, what, is some, what are some of those other fears that you found come up when it comes to like really progressing in their career? Yeah, I think, I definitely think rejection, fear of, um, I mean, I, I think it just comes down to like biological, like you're going to be ousted from the tribe. Nobody's going to love you. Um, and, and you're just going to be left to defend by yourself. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. I think um, there's a lot of fears like, so, you know, we both know there are backlashes against women, say, for doing different things. So, you know, if you speak up and then people f- do judge you as being more of like a bee, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a very real fear. And so there are some things that are kind of like rooted in reality. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, how do you shift it towards, you know what, even if that is the outcome, even if I do get rejected, say, um, say as you're growing, you know, you're masterminding with new people, you might lose some friends along the way is you have to look at like the pros and the cons and weigh both sides and say, am I willing to stay small? Am I willing to hide? Am I willing to not go for what this thing that I know I want to achieve? Am I willing to risk all of that just to feel safe? Hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's the, the fear ultimately of rejection, the fear of, you know, being like looking like an idiot, any of those fears, they're real a lot of the time. And they are probably rooted in something that maybe happened to you in the past or something that you've experienced or seen, um, you know, in, in your environment. Um, so it's okay to, to have those feelings, but you have to look at how long am I willing to put off creating the life that I want to live in order to feel safe. Yeah, that is yeah. so This past week, I was talking to you before we started recording this, I was part of a mastermind group and there was so many like light bulbs that went off during that time. But one thing that someone said that really resonated with me that they said that both fear and faith require you to believe in something that's not not there, not real. Mm. And I just thought that was like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) that was like mind blowing. But it's so true. Like fear is not a real thing. Faith, Mm -hmm. believing in something that's not real at the Mm -hmm. moment. So mm-hmm. choose, like the fact that we choose to believe in the negative and fear instead of just believing in the positive and have faith, mm-hmm. it's like, like, why are we doing this to ourselves? Yes. Wow. That is really deep itself. I'm like, I've got to process that because <laughs> that's, yeah, because it's so true. We'll default to our fear rather than defaulting to faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have like a very, like I have my own personal spiritual practice, but for people that I know do have a strong spiritual practice, like that's one of the many things I envy is that there is an ingrained amount of faith, um, that, you know, you together collectively are, are seeing something that's greater and having faith together and that collective faith can move you forward, mm-hmm. um, in a way that, you know, say when you're starting something on your own, you're starting a business, you're trying to do something different when you're just in your head and, and operating in fear, 
um, it does feel lonely. It does feel scary and it will spiral out of control. So I do think even, you know, going back to like what we were first talking about of like finding other people that are doing similar things or wanting similar things, like that is so powerful because together, if you guys can both create visions and create um, goals that that you can choose faith together and together, (laughs) together and together, uh, choose faith in together. I mean, that's way more powerful than just being in your own head and freaking out about all the things that are going to go wrong. Um, It's when you like ask for that lifeboat that life gets a little bit easier. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You also talk about the idea of focusing on following your curiosity. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I love, okay. So focusing your curiosity and there's so many like um, in all my interviews, I feel like every single woman, whoop, every single woman I talked to talk, talked about how there was just something, you know, like something that was interesting to them that they just kept moving towards. And so while we have this like big grand vision of what you might want, it's often very scary to just go dive straight into that. Like if four years ago, I had said, oh, I want to be a salary negotiation expert. Like that would not have worked out because um, it would have been too big of a leap. And so if you just follow your curiosity, like, so for me, saw an event at a local organization. Oh, I want to volunteer there. I'm just kind of interested. There might be something there. It takes the pressure off because it's just, I'm just following my curiosity. I'm seeing where this goes. It's not loaded. Um, there's nothing that's going to happen. Say if you do terrible at a job volunteering, it's like, that's, it's not going to be the end of the world. And I just help more people in the process. So if you just, I just operate out of curiosity to continue going um, towards what it is that I want. But there is an interesting line, I think, and I would love your take on this as well. Of like when you're following your curiosity, but really what you're doing is avoiding the thing that you really want to do. It's like when you're interested in so many things, like, oh, I want, I want to start blogging about flowers and I want to start a, a, a photography business. And I also want to uh, move to China. It's like you got all these curiosities, but what you might be doing is in, instead of dabbling into all of them, you're hiding from what your true thing is, um, if that makes sense. So yeah. I found that I've done that for myself of like, well, there's so many things I'm interested in, but I'm re- what I'm doing is hiding. And so while it's good to follow your curiosity and see you know, where each of those things go, um, there is a fine line between just jumping from one thing to the next because you're out of curiosity. Um, you, you say it's out of curiosity, but it's really out of fear of sticking to one thing and seeing where it goes. Yeah. Yes, I that resonates with me. A lot of the women that I speak to, like, you know, they like to start off our, our talk, our conversations with, I, there's just so many things I could do. I just don't know what I want to do. I'm yeah. interested in so many things. And while yes, we can be multi-passionate, I love a lot of things as well. I think there's always a nagging, like there's always something that you're, you're like, I know that I should be doing this. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, we just try to distract ourselves. You know, maybe, you know, you know that you want to switch industries, like you're, you've been in finance forever. And you're like, I know I don't want to be here anymore, but maybe I want to be in digital marketing or maybe Mm -hmm. I want to move into tech or maybe I want to, you know, go to human resources. And so you just kind of like psych yourself up and say, well, there's so much. So you know what? I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit there and not do anything. When if you really took the time to think about, well, one, what are all the commonalities between all these roles that I'm looking at? Or which one do I really, really you know, I couldn't live without, which one, like, just really have some real talk with yourself, Mm -hmm. really sit down and reflect, um, and think about like, where really am I going? And why am I so confused? Because confusion to me, that's not, that's not a good, that's not like necessarily a positive, that's not a positive state to be in. And so if it's not a positive state to be in, it's very likely that you're doing this yourself. So if you just take some time, think it through, be real with yourself. Am I saying that I'm confused and overwhelmed because I'm really scared? 
Mm-hmm. I'm really scared that if I go all in on this one route, it's not going to work out. Um, this fear of rejection, fear of being, you know, fear of the backlash, all of the things that you just talked about. Is it that? You know, because I think that if people take the time to think about it, they'll realize it is some root of fear. Like this mm-hmm. thing is an excuse in my mind. And I know mm-hmm. it's not harsh, but to me, it's an excuse. Think back to why am I confused? Why am I overwhelmed? I literally default to overwhelmed. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm overwhelmed. So I'm, <laughs> I'm out. And that's it. I'm not doing any work. And when I think about it, I know I'm not overwhelmed. I just, I hit a wall. I'm afraid to go further. I feel like, you know, I'm not smart enough, whatever. Like, please know anyone listening, please know just because, you know, I'm a career coach, Kathleen is a career coach and we, you know, quote unquote, have it together. We still have those moments. We still Mm -hmm. have to face fear. We still have to face overwhelm, burnout, all of those things. Mm -hmm. So no one is immune from it, but it's about being aware. It's about understanding. It's about being honest with yourself about how you're going to push through. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, we're like, the the only thing is we're way more aware maybe, or we've been doing, we've been, we've been working with our fear for longer. So yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things that I've started realizing for myself, cause like there will be times where I'll be like, what am, what am I doing? Like wh- who do still, who do I think I am? Like wh- what, do you, what do you think you're doing? Like trying to put a, your blog out there and do videos and, you know, try to speak places. Like who, who do you think you are? So I get in those modes, but what happens is I get quicker at getting out of it. Mm. And so it's just realizing it quicker and knowing, okay, this is just a moment. This is like a lapse. I'm feeling down, allow myself to feel the emotions and then come out of it. Um, because it's, it's, you're always going to have those highs. You're always going to have those lows. Um, I've been doing a lot recently with tracking my highs and lows to look for patterns for when Mm -hmm. it pops up. So, um, like I'll see in my bad days, oftentimes it's like, Oh, your bad days are often because you didn't do anything. Like you maybe slipped into Netflix for way too long. Um, (laughs) when you were like, Oh, I'm just going to like recharge. And then you ended up getting there for like three, three hours. And then you're like, that was a bad day. It was a bad day because you didn't feel productive. Mm -hmm. It's also like taking note of that. Um, I think is super interesting as well, but yeah, the fear is still there. The fear is still real. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think, the 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 one of the ways to I mean we talked about some of the ways to get out of it being mm-hmm. aware and all those things but I think one of the big things to get out of it is to just really give yourself permission to do well to understand that yes I deserve to make more money I deserve to go up the, the ladder and make it to the corner office and get mm-hmm. into the these are things that I deserve. And mm-hmm. you talk about this idea of giving yourself permission to prosper. Yeah. You talk about like understanding that, you know, the, the life that you want is really tied up in the relationship that you, you have to success and that you have mm-hmm. with money and you have with all of these things. So talk to me a little bit about that idea, permission to prosper and, and yeah. what can we do to get into that mode? Yeah. Well, that, that whole, the whole mentality came out. Cause for me, I've always had such a strange relationship with money and it's one of those things where like, you know, growing up where I often had a lot less than those I grew up around. Cause I, I grew up in, I wouldn't say it was crazy poor, but we weren't wealthy. And, um, my mom would transfer me to, you know, nearby school. So I would get a better education. Um, cause a lot of the schools in my neighborhood just weren't good. Um, so I would constantly see like every day driving to those schools, you know, I drive up the hill, you know, it starts with like kind of like apartment complexes or like not so hot looking houses and you keep going up further and further and further. Mm-hmm. And I literally thought this one house was the white house because it was huge. It was white, it had these like pillars and everything. So I would see that and I would, I, I had a weird relationship because I was like, is this what I want? Like, is what I want up at the top of this hill? 
Um, and I would see my friends and, you know, uh, talk to them and they're like, oh, what you doing in the summer? Oh, we're going to Disneyland. It's like, what? We like, you're going to Disneyland like again. And I've never, you know, I see Disney movies. That's about it, the extent of it. Um, so there was kind of this like desire for more, but at the same time, a happiness with where I was at. And like, I don't need more. I'm comfortable. My, I'm, I'm happy with my home and I don't need a lot in order to be happy. So I thought I had to choose between either having more money and kind of feeling like, oh, and it's an extravagant lifestyle or not having money and being happy and content and just mm. being focused on that. So I thought I had to choose between it. And it was something that I've, re- I've had a really hard time working through. And I think the work came when I started teaching about salary negotiation because I started saying to myself, well, if I'm trying to teach people how to ask for more money, but at the same time, the story that's going on in my head is you don't need more money to be happy, then there's something, there's a disconnect there. Like you're not really going to be able to fullheartedly teach people who come from the same background as you to desire more money because the desire, I'm, I'm kind of saying, oh, desire is bad and you don't want more. Um, so that permission to prosper was that whole mentality that came out of, um, I don't know if you've ever like gone to a Tony Robbins event or like read any of those kind of books, but they talk about, yeah. Oh my God. It's like crazy. (laughs) It's like, it's like a rave. Um, but one of the things that he talks about and many other, I feel like people in this field talk about is like, you know, you, you exercise and you want to have like the most fit body, like in you, you don't, you don't, feel guilty about going to an nth degree to like work out and feel good. And same for like your diet, um, same for like becoming smart. You know, it's not like we shun ourselves for wanting to become smarter or no to gain more knowledge, things like that. But for some reason we shun ourselves when we desire more money. Mm. Um, so there's like an interesting thing there where I was just like, why do we do that? And why do we do that to ourselves? So the shift that I had to make in order to give myself permission to prosper is I had to think instead of associating money with greed, with people that are just like, I don't know, materialistic because that my, my images that would always come up were people like Paris Hilton or like nowadays <laughs> it would be somebody like Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. where I'm like, well, I don't want to be rich because look at what it turns you into. Mm-hmm. So one, I need to find new role models of people who are rich and having that abundant mindset and like I can aspire to be like. So of course, like Oprah is the first person who will come up in my mind for everything. Um, but you know, like Melinda Gates, things like people that are doing good with their money. And I had to start saying with more money, what can I do? So this is a long winded answer, but essentially I started relooking at my life and when have I had the most points of happiness and whenever I had the most points of stress. So whenever I had the most stress, it's like my parents fighting about money. It's me not being able to go to the college I want because we can't afford it. Um, it's me like having to work during college because I needed to be able to be able to pay for things. Um, so it's like stresses that came up and it was always tied to a lack of money or for the most part, it was often tied to a lack of money. In times when I was happiest, well, I would say, oh, well, I was super happy when I was meditating in Nepal. It's like, well, girl, how did you get to Nepal? You had, you know what I mean? Like you had to buy a ticket and how much was that ticket? And the ability to not work and be meditating. Well, you can't meditate when you're working. You have to afford the ability not to be working. So I started to see, oh, well, it's the time as I'm traveling. It's the times I'm eating out with friends. It's the times I'm treating my mom to, um, you know, coffee in the morning. Any of those things, it's like those are tied to the abundance of money. So once I started to see that the abundance of money allowed me greater freedom to do things in my life that I wanted to, allowed me 
me opportunities to give back both to my family, to friends, and my community. And the lack of money is what led to stress, um, burnout, and like you said, any of those things that don't allow you to really flourish. And that's why I started to say, I need to give myself permission to prosper because it's only when I do that I'll be able to create that life I want for myself and for myself to be the biggest force for good rather than just like a ball of hot mess. Mm. Yeah. You know? yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that in your work, like working with women as a salary negotiation coach, I'm sure that the, when, you, when you're going through this process, you uncover a lot of these damaging relationships and mm-hmm. damaging beliefs with money. Mm-hmm. What are some of the common things that are really keeping women from giving themselves permission to prosper? Yeah. And I love that I said that because I think you and I are the same where we're like, first things first mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, like for my course, the first thing we talk about is our mindset. Like what is your relationship to money? How did you feel about money growing up? When it, when you even think about now, what are the feelings that come up? Yeah. Um, even when you think about like, what's the first time that you asked for something? I know like I, uh, in elementary school, I asked for like this Tommy Hilfiger shirt at Macy's um, because everyone in my <laughs> elementary school had it. Like what the heck? Why did I want a Tommy Hilfiger shirt? Same with like limited Two. limited Two was like all the rage at my elementary school. And, um, and my parents were like, what are you, like, we're not going to buy you this $35 top, you know what I mean? Or like mm-hmm. a $50 top, like, let's go to Target, let's go to the sales section of Target and let's see what we got there. Cause those right. clothes are good. Um, so yeah, when it comes to money, the mindset is, is huge and it's the very first thing. But yeah, I think when it comes to asking for more, what you brought up was like, you know, do I really deserve this? Who am I to want this? Um, also too, because I think a lot of us are so conditioned to, we'll get with whatever we deserve. So we'll get the A, which we deserve. So we kind of look at our paycheck as just a reflection of what other people think we deserve mm-hmm. rather than us taking the time to evaluate what our skills are, what we bring to the table, what's our experience and what we think it should be based off of what we know of the market. Um, so I think that's another huge one. It's just deep being dealt what you got. There's women that I work with who have a similar background to me of feeling like money is bad. I don't like it. I don't need more of it. So why should I ask for more? Mm -hmm. And there are other women on the whole other side of the spectrum where it's like, my parents were rich. We always had more than enough. And so for me, it's not important that I have money. So why should I even ask for it? Because Mm -hmm. it's not important to me at the end of the day. Um, So it, it, it totally varies based off of where you grew up, what your parents' relationship were with money, you know, what they taught you about money, what you're, you know, like even racially, what is kind of like the culture that's ingrained in, um, in, from your family and been passed on, um, and how you guys associate with money and how you asked up for it. It varies so much, but yeah, it always comes down to like, am I deserving of it? Should I want it? I don't want to be greedy. I don't need enough of it. I'm happy enough without it. Um, I feel like those are always the core things. And so it's really hard to untangle that. Um, but once you begin to do and see like, oh, these are just stories that I've been like holding on to, it's kind of like the same with the fear and the faith. It's just like, do I want to keep holding on to these stories or do I want to like choose a new narrative? Yeah. That's yeah. So, and so how can, so true. yeah, how can we change the narrative and what do you want it to be? So that's another fun, fun part. And something that I actually had a hard time with is like, what do you desire? Like for the longest time, I, I was like, I don't know. I don't desire anything. So it's like, you don't desire anything? It's like, no, like I'm fine. Well, you don't want a bigger house? No, I'm, I'm fine. So if you don't desire anything, how are you going to want to ask for more mm-hmm. money? Mm-hmm. So it's also not only like the fears and the limiting beliefs that hold you back, but it's also like your lack of desires that yeah. may be holding you back. 
And I think it's important to point out that it doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to desire things. Like for me, I like nice things. So yes, I want the big house. <laughs> I, want the bags, I want that stuff. That's part of my desire. Yeah. But it's totally fine to, to want more money or to want, you know, a different type of a lifestyle so that you can give to other people. Maybe that's yes. what you want to do, but you're right in that we all should be working towards something to yeah. just sit there and say, I'm content. Like that drives me crazy when people are just content with yeah. what they are, just kind of going with the flow, you know, just putting my head down, doing what I got to do. Like, it's like, why do you want to stay mediocre? Why don't mm-hmm. you want to push the envelope and see what it is that you, you can get? Why don't you want to be compensated for the value and yeah. not just financially? Like I know we're talking about money, but compensated like mentally, emotionally, yeah. like don't you want to be stimulated in all aspects of your life? Like money is one part of that, but there's so many other things. And when people are just so happy mm-hmm. and not with where they are and don't give themselves that permission to say, you know what? I want more. I want more for my career. I want mm-hmm. more from my life. They yeah. don't give themselves permission to do those things. It's really sad to me. Yeah. And I know that anyone listening to this podcast is not of that camp. Like you only attract ambitious women. So if you're listening to this and you feel like there's more, it's like, it's just like you're craving permission. And like, that's what I mean by permission. Like I give you permission and it's time to give yourself permission to want those things. Um, And yeah, like you said, if you want, just donate it all. You don't have to keep it. Um, but it's, it's just the fact of the matter if it, you know, so, so say here in San Francisco, cr- pay can be crazy. Like some people are like, you know, I'm already getting paid a hundred thousand. Why would I ask for 125? That just seems greedy. It's like, well, that's what the market is. So just meet the market where it's at and then donate $25,000 yes. to whatever charity that you care about. Um, but there's no reason for you not to get what you're worth. Um, there's, yeah, there's just no reason not to. Yeah. And yeah. another thing that occurred to me when you were talking is that so many women are okay with asking for other things. Like I've seen people put up like fights in restaurants, like, Oh my oh, gosh. <laughs> that I want. But when it comes to your salary, where you spend most of your time, you're afraid to ask. That's so interesting when you really peel back the, the thoughts we have about money, the relationship we have, the mindset we have around money. Yeah. It's deep. Yes. Well, that's so funny that you say that. And you, you probably have taught this before. Um, but one of my very favorite concepts, um, if you know, say if you are somebody who has struggled with salary negotiation, um, one of my favorite things is it's called the mama bear effect. Have you ever looked into that? No. So it's okay. So it's just so funny. And I don't know if that's the made up name or if it's, yeah, there's, I should do a little bit more digging into like if there's a scientific name for it. Um, but essentially it is the fact that like, um, when we are negotiating for other people, like mama bear comes out mm. like mama bear would like doesn't let anybody mess with her cubs she is like vicious she like will stand up for herself she's so strong um but when it comes to ourselves we're like so meek and shy and we're like oh my goodness, it's fine it's fine like whatever you want it's fine mm-hmm. um so what i remind women to do is like you gotta you gotta develop your inner mama bear so that you can mama bear yourself yeah. so you kind of like i like to think of it like the devil and the angel so whatever your mama bear spirit is, maybe she's just like cheerleading you on, like, you got it, it's okay. Or she's like, uh-uh, like, no, they did not. Like, you got this, you better ask up right now, blah, blah, blah. So like, well, however your mama bear is going to take form, but you have to have her on your side, especially mm-hmm. when you come to the negotiation table. Yeah. Um, because there's not a person that's sitting in the room that's going to help you advocate. You know, your boss isn't going to sit there and, and coach you through the negotiation process. So if it helps and if it feels so uncomfortable for you to do it for yourself, like imagine an outside entity that's there in the room or there on your shoulder encouraging you. Um, because yeah, when it comes to other people, we are amazing. But when it comes to ourselves, if we don't channel that mama bear, like then we're going to have a hard time doing it. So I love that, that idea to have a little mama bear for yourself. 
Yeah. I know you work with, you know, a lot of women of color. And so when you talk about this mama bear thing, I had like a whole visual going and then a little- <laughs> Medea. <laughs> oh my God. I would love a Medea. <laughs> a little, a little, um, a little voice inside of me said, okay, but what about, mm. you know, the, we already have to deal with stereotypes. And I know, yeah. you know, speaking for black women, like one of them is the angry black woman. And so yeah. if I'm being this mama bear, quote unquote, and mm. I'm going after and I'm asking like, you know, I really mm-hmm. want to have this conversation. Let's yeah. talk about my race. Let's yeah. talk about my promotions that I didn't get. We're fighting against this, this bias, whether it be mm-hmm. unconscious or conscious, but mm-hmm. I'm, you know, racist, whatever. We're fighting against these things. Like what advice have you given to women of color who are trying to navigate this, these tricky situations? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I, the one thing I want to say is that like, yeah, this is, it's, it's, it's such a tough situation for, you know, just women in general and especially women of color um, because there are, like you said, there are biases, whether conscious or not con- unconscious, um, that are at play against us. So a few things is at the end of the day, there's like some studies like, well, you know, women do get bashla- backlash, so therefore you shouldn't speak up. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. just because I get backlash doesn't mean I'm not going to speak up at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to continue to you know, keep that story going that we shouldn't do it. And if we do do it, that we're perceived in this way. I'm like, let's try to change the perception of how this is. Um, so that's one thing. Two is that um, the the whole conscious, uh, what you call it, the bias that's in the room, sometimes depending on your relationship with your boss, you could even call it out to mm. say like, hey, I know that you don't like, I'm going to, I want to talk to you about money and or about our salary. And like, you know, it's just been statistically shown that you might con- perceive me in a negative light because I'm bringing this up. But I don't. I want to just clear the table, to clear the air. Like I'm not trying to be greedy. I'm not trying to be demanding. I don't want you to think of me as an unpleasant person. Um, I, you know what I mean. And so just like acknowledge the elephant in the room mm-hmm. because if you acknowledge it, one, keep me me in check. But two, it just helps to bring awareness because if it is unconscious, then they're like, oh shoot, I didn't even realize it, but I did do that. Mm-hmm. So I talk. You know, you're in HR, and so I talk with other HR professionals that say, you know, a lot of times. They have to call their managers when the manager is saying, you know, this person wants a raise or they're asking for more um, and I don't like them. It's like, well, why don't you like them? You like the HR person has to call them out, but say, you know, you don't want to have to be in that position where you're hoping that somebody else will call them out. So sometimes the thing to do is just to call it out yourself. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that, you know, it depends like, so for, it's interesting for women that are Asian descent, they get almost the worst rap because they are most commonly associated with being the nice, good girl that's not going to speak up. Mm-hmm. So um, for like for black women, it's often seen that, oh, because they have this thing working against them of like the mad black woman, actually when they speak up for themselves, it's not as jarring, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Whereas yeah, for the Asian yeah. woman, yeah, it's a much more jarring. It's like, wow, like I thought she was such a nice girl and here she is advocating for herself. Like, I don't like it. Um, so to be aware of it, like especially even if you are of different, like for Asian descent people um, to be even so super aware of that um, to again to call it out that might feel uncomfortable so the other thing to do and that kind of sucks at the end of the day is even though if your mama bear is a Medea like or a, <laughs> de- a devil like like hell nah like don't let them talk to you like that when it comes to the actual conversation I say that you should be persistently pleasant mm. so throw in those smiles you know, nod your head, use the we instead of the I. Like, you're no one's going to go anywhere if you do bring an angry um, edge 
to the conversation. Like that's whether or not you're a man or a woman, it's nobody's going to like you. For men, it's much more acceptable, which is unfortunate. Um, so for women, if you can smile a little bit more, um, that's just the game that I'm willing to play until there's more women in the boardroom. You know what I mean? And until we can switch the way that we're perceived um, and I'll play by their rules, I'll smile a little bit more. But at the end of the day, I'll be persistent. And this is not an issue I'm willing to drop, especially if I am being underpaid. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Catherine. This has been a really um, wonderful conversation. Um, before we leave, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you how they, and how they can get in contact with you? Yeah. So if you are wanting to earn more, I mean, you have your amazing scripts. So I would say first, you better get those if you haven't already. And um, yeah, if you want to do, I have a course, it's called Be Brave, Get Paid. So you can go to BeBraveGetPaid.com. And there's a course that walks you through along with, we do calls and community things, um, which actually I think is one of the, so far it's been one of people's favorites just because they they have been able to discuss with each other like, oh, there's more people that feel this way. And how can we navigate these tricky situations, especially if things come up like, you know, I'm getting a lot of backlash because I'm trying to advocate for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So what would you do in my situation? So there's been a lot of community support, which I really love. And if you want to hang out with me, um, Instagram is my favorite place to be. Go to Hustle and Heart or just look up Kathleen Hart. Um, That's my favorite place to hang out. Awesome. And I will put all of the links to get in contact with you, the link to be brave, get paid in the show notes. So everyone will be able to just go there. So head over there and get those details. So thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. I had so much fun talking with you. That was a really amazing conversation with Kathleen, and we're so grateful to have had her share her gems and all the tips around giving yourself permission to prosper and permission to ask for more. If you want to get in touch with Kathleen, go to the show notes, yourcareergirl.com slash blog slash episode 48, and get all the links to find her online, her website, bebravegetpaid.com, as well as how to find her on Instagram. As always, if you enjoyed what you've heard, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.